Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, everybody. A podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today is all about Ready Player One. If you don't know, Ready Player One is a movie about the creator of a popular video game system who dies, and a virtual contest is created to compete for his fortune. It's directed by Steven Spielberg, who obviously is one of the biggest directors of all time, but has a recent string of movies that probably aren't so good. Cast is Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, and Ben Mendelsohn. I honestly don't remember Ty Sheridan or Olivia Cook in anything. Ben Mendelsohn, I remember primarily from Rogue One as Krennic. That's that's all he's really been in. Yeah, I feel like he's been in other stuff, but that that's the main one everybody will remember. Well, he's uh he's also going to be in the new Captain Marvel. Which, oh yeah, I think I knew that. Which does not does not give me high hopes now. Yeah, I mean uh, he's typecast in everything he's been in that I know of. And he's the sheriff of Nottingham in the new Robin Hood. A new Robin Hood? Yeah, they're making a new Robin Hood. Movie? Yep. Man, how many of those can we have? Another one with Jamie Foxx as Little John. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, that one kind of tucked the wind out of me there for a second. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how I'm, how I'm processing this. I think my mind skipped to Dave Chappelle and Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good comparison. So I had like a record scratch in my head when you said that, and I just immediately pictured Robin Hood men in tights. And, uh, and Robin Hood is the guy from Kingsman Secret Service. That, uh, Eggsy? Eggsy, yeah. He's, so this it, sounds terrible. So it'll be a, it'll be an interesting. We are way off track, <laughs> but this sounds terrible, and I need to go read more about this. Which comes back to my point of uh, I'm not a big fan of Ben Mendelsohn. I don't, I didn't really like him. He in doesn't Rogue One. He doesn't play ever a character that you would like him as. I mean, I think he a, a technical actor, sure, but he's not the big baddie. You know, no, he he's he's a slimy baddie. Yeah, and and I don't like him casted here i don't like what he's going to be casted in the future and i don't oh i thought he was fine in terms of being cast in this i mean who else would you want to play like a slimy kind of wormy corporate guy trying to lead a company that's trying to undermine this competition that's going on he seems like the perfect guy for that he looks like chris parnell and that that's all i can put my every time i see him is i don't get the chris parnell vibe no, it's it's from from Saturday Night Live. It, yeah, I know who Chris perfect. Parnell is. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't get that vibe from Ben Mendelsohn. That's no. weird. Yeah, I don't think so. I I thought he was cast perfectly in this as the villain. Pass. Yeah, I mean, but again, you're it's a generic kind of bad guy, corporate bad guy. It's not like you're asking him to go out and fight toe to toe with Arnold or something. You're he's basically a really bad CEO, an evil CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. Ben Mendelsohn's fine. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So actually, I do know where to start. I think you have to start with the visuals on this movie. Okay. I thought that they were good. I I don't have a complaint about them, but I also think it's easier to be good when you're set in an artificial world like the Oasis. So for those of you listening, I'm sure you've seen it, but the Oasis is the virtual world where people plug in now and spend all their time and money. It's basically like instead of everybody in today's world staring at their phones or playing Fortnite on PS4 or whatever, you just put on a VR headset and go 
completely spend all your time in this VR world where you can be who you want to be. It's like Xbox Live, but virtual reality. Yeah, exactly. The world of Warcraft, you build your avatar and go yeah. wander around. It's and, exactly like that. Yeah. You can lose your avatar if you die in there and you have to restart. So you don't die in the real world. It's not the Matrix. Yeah. But you... Or Nightmare st- on Elm Street. Right, you have to start <laughs> over. So I think it's easier to have good CGI when you're immersed in an entirely CGI world because you don't have to mesh it with something that looks real. So having said that, I thought the effects were good. I thought they were really good. Because I, I mean, I thought I was in a video game and everything looked the part. Right. Like, yeah, because so. that, that's what I mean. It can look like a video game and you're okay with it because you understand that you are in a video game in right. the movie. It's not like trying to splice the Hulk going across New York skyscrapers and bashing them in and trying to make that look real. You don't have that problem. Right. So uh, I guess I'm kind of backhanded complimenting the graphics and that they're good, but when you're in a CGI world, that's easy to do. That's all I guess I was trying to say, but it's a very visual movie. Oh, Not much of it takes place in the real world. Extremely visual. Yeah. Yeah. So I think after that, the next logical place to go, because everybody talks about it and that's really all this movie is about is the nostalgia. Oh yeah. It is filled to the brim. Like you could probably watch this movie 20 times and not catch all of the the characters that are in the references just the the things on the side of the screen you know of all everybody walking around you know and and catch all of the the easter eggs if you will and and i i love that i love that i love trying to catch those things that they they threw in there and that that and they're all of my childhood and so a kid today probably wouldn't appreciate it as much watching this movie than than i did you know being a child of the 80s and 90s and they, they put a lot of references in there I thought that was a strength of this movie. Yeah, I did not think so. My my issue was it, it felt like my comparison was Where's Waldo. So anytime that there was a big scene going on, a big fight scene in the Oasis, it wasn't like the nostalgia. And sometimes it was. It was front and center. Like when King Kong was there in the race, it was front and center. You couldn't get away from it. But it felt like the bulk, 75% of the nostalgia was in these big, huge battle scenes where for one second you get a glimpse of RoboCop, and then for two seconds you get a glimpse of Chucky, and then you might see a Halo guy in the background. And so you're not really watching the movie to experience what's happening. You're watching it trying to pick out all these things in the background. And for me, I just don't get that much of enjoyment out of being like, oh, there was, there was, there was RoboCop for one and a half seconds. Cool. See, I missed RoboCop. And yeah, so I, I, I RoboCop mean, I was there. It. Yeah, I, I saw that on the list of people that were, were in the movie. Yeah. People of things that I missed. I was like, oh, I, yeah. missed, I missed RoboCop. But, I mean, the, even the main character, you mentioned King Kong was in a big part of the movie. Yeah. He has a big part uh, for the first part of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Mechagodzilla. You know, it, it's, you don't see these characters, you know, in a, an environment to where they're, they're interacting with one another. And so you see Freddy Krueger and Jason, and, and you mentioned Chucky. And they're interacting with guys from Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. And, 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 and I like that. Right. But to me, it was done in such, again, a Where's Waldo type way that you maybe got like a two-second glimpse of it on the side of the screen where the Mortal Kombat guys are fighting Freddy or whatever is happening. It, it's almost to the point where it's more distracting than anything. Like you spend your time during the action scenes looking on the edges and scanning your eyes for whatever reference you can find instead of being invested in what's actually happening in front of you see i didn't feel i really did that i will do that uh, in future viewings but i didn't 
you know, I was really kind of watching what was going on in front of me uh, the first time. We saw it on uh, the, the grand screen, mm-hmm. and so it was even more, you know, you had to, you had to turn your head to look, look all around, you know, and see everything that was going on. Yeah. But it was, uh, I enjoyed that. I mean, I thought, again, that, that was the strength of the movie, is heavy on nostalgia. You have the DeLorean, you know, yeah. King Kong, Mechagodzilla. Just, I, just I guess. Just listening and listing all those, and I really enjoyed seeing all those things again on screen. I, I guess seeing it on screen without making me feel something about it doesn't make me, doesn't, me seeing the DeLorean on the screen does not automatically make me feel nostalgic. There was no atmosphere of nostalgia. Does that make sense? They they throw these things on the screen at you as little bits and pieces of pop culture, but it didn't create an atmosphere. Nothing about Oasis was nostalgic. It had all these references, but no feel to it. And so to me, I didn't like like I I feel almost a little bit more nostalgic watching Guardians. And I know that the music that they used was a little bit ahead of our time, but just the way they incorporated the music and did things, that to me gives me more of a sense of nostalgia for that older music than watching the DeLorean on the screen does for me feeling nostalgic about Back to the Future. Well, see, and I, and I, I disagree with that. I, I want to, one, I want to see it, but two, they paired almost all those scenes with music from those movies. So when Mecha Godzilla was there, they had the Godzilla yeah. theme like uh, underneath, like you. It was almost like you barely heard it amongst the action, but it's like all those those feelings. They they threw a little Star Wars in there. And, you know, they they kept throwing the, the the theme songs in there that that you know, and that that brought it all back. And that that was that was my emotional piece of it. Yeah, I, I get that. I guess I just I don't I don't think that created an environment. To me, there's a difference between seeing something or hearing something that's thrown up on a screen for a few seconds or whatever it is. And what kind of feeling that gives you versus creating a feeling of nostalgia. To me, those things for me, I, I didn't, that doesn't generate nostalgia in me seeing the DeLorean up on the screen. It's like if I play Rocket League and I see somebody's driving a DeLorean around, I don't have nostalgia for the DeLorean now because I see it in Rocket League. I'm just like, oh, that's fine. It's cool. That's, they're driving the DeLorean from Back to the Future. But there, there was no emotion around any of this nostalgia for me, which is crazy because it's all stuff from my childhood. It's just, Slapping it up on a screen doesn't do anything for me. Just because you're dead inside. It could be. There's a strong <laughs> chance. But I think that a lot of Spielberg's movies are dead inside. <laughs> Was it, I, Late Spielberg movies. But, and, and I would agree with you there. Uh, recently, he has not done, done well. But, but this one I really enjoyed. The, the plot of the movie of Parseval is the main character, and he's going to try to find these three keys in order to find this Easter egg that gives him the fortune that he can control the Oasis and do whatever he wants to with that. The, the plot of this corporation also trying to find it by hiring all of these people to, to do it on his behalf, I thought it was a really cool idea. Uh, yeah. And so that, uh, I liked how they did that. Of They had to. It was the only source of conflict in the movie, right? I mean, well, sure. without that company trying to also go for the keys, without the keys even existing, there's there's no driving force for anything. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's yeah. the movie. But, I mean, you have, you could have had, you know, just other players. Right. You know, but, but instead you have, which I think in real life, that's what a company would do. Of sure. Hire a bunch of people to try to find it on on your behalf. I thought that was, that was really interesting, and I, and I liked how they, they did that. Parsival? The the character I really liked him uh, in the Oasis. Why? 
I just, I don't know. I followed him oh, well, okay. and I thought he was a good character. But when he was Wade uh, in real world, didn't like the actor. Oh yeah, I, I didn't Ty like, Sheridan. He yeah. I, uh, I, we made this comment, I think, about Jennifer Lawrence and Red Sparrow, where you had said, "Try to picture Jennifer Lawrence smiling, and you can't do it." <laughs> I can't picture when I think about Ready Player One anything other than like this blank stare on that guy's face, like yeah. a blank emotionless stare, almost like he's not even. <laughs> He's not sure what his line is half the time. I don't know why. Like, that's what I see in my head. I don't remember him smiling. I don't remember him screaming. I don't remember him really emoting much of anything. Yeah, I, I liked his, his avatar, but not, not him. I didn't so. really like any character overly much. I didn't like it, whether that was in Oasis or whether that was in the real world. I just didn't have too much of an attachment or connection to any of them. Yeah. And that's what I mean by Steve, yeah. why Spielberg has no heart. Like, I felt like... This had visuals and it had references and it had characters and had a conflict, but it had no emotion for me. I didn't care what happened to anything. No, I did, and I really, I really enjoyed the the quest. Uh, I did not enjoy the the way that he solved the riddles. So there were no, that was stupid. There were three riddles that he had to solve to get the key, and I thought that they were done done poorly. There's no cleverness to him. Yeah. He finds the answers maybe to all three by because he's library. because he's been yeah and somehow he's the only one that's again if you're gonna make it a movie where somebody is the only one that can solve this problem you have to assume that all these other people have gone to through these archives and searched all this stuff too right but if you're gonna make it so that Wade or Parzival whatever we want to call him is the only guy who can solve it you need to explain to me why he's got this missing ingredient that nobody else has. And they, they didn't kept do that. Looking. It was the idea of everybody kept looking at first and then he kept diving in. He was know, the one that kept going back to the library. That's He's not enough. The, the archives. Yeah. He kept, he kept searching and searching through and yeah. he put it together. It's not enough. Because he basically worshipped this guy as a god. I guess. Thing. Whatever. I mean, I, don't, I can never see myself steve jobs you know right. it's like like oh he's this you know he's, right I mean, he's a guy yeah you know to be to be that obsessed with with somebody a creator i mean yeah you can appreciate hey thanks for building the oasis right. it's really cool and i spend a lot of my time in here right but to, if you're that obsessed with something where you're living your life in there maybe you do care a little bit yeah i'm about the creator i don't <laughs> i don't but yeah so he every puzzle i believe is pieced together because some of them comes up with like it's always an aha moment, right? Because they've poured over these archives before we ever kind of join them in the movie universe, and they're doing it in the movie universe too, where they keep revisiting the archives. But it's always like at this one moment they'll be they'll be talking as a group, and oh, it means this. Like, aha! I, I now know what I'm supposed to do. The first one is like, now I need to go backwards because the guy made this one quote about going backwards in time, and that's how I win the race. Is I like, go backwards. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Again, like we talked about this in Tomb Raider, there's no way for the audience to participate in that. And it's even worse when it is always like this light bulb coming over somebody's head moment of, oh, no, I got it. Okay. Well, I think the key to this movie was it was about the creator's relationship to this girl that yeah. he didn't get. You know, it was. And they tried it, to tie it, that into the main guy and the girl that he's hanging out with or whatever. Yeah. And it's a. Uh, it was, you know, take that chance because he didn't take that chance. And so each of the clues were in that vein. Yeah. And so it was, it's not that they found all these different 
different clues. It was all that same mindset of he wanted to go back in time. You know, if I only can go in reverse, you know, basically to to see this girl again. And so I was like, oh, what if I go reverse in the race? You did not like that's how you beat King Kong. You I say, did not like that. But you just saying that right now reminds me of how stupid and not good that that was. I kind of forgot that was. I knew he went backwards. I could not quite remember why he went backwards. And now that you said that, it makes me dislike this movie even more. <laughs> well, so I, I wish that there was there was a better way to solve uh, or to win uh, these keys. At least one of them should have been, in my mind, performance based. But yeah, but that's not what the creator had in mind right i i didn't mind so i guess the second one was worse than the first one the second one was going dancing at the shining shining. which we can talk about the shining in a little bit but skipping forward i I didn't mind the third solution which was i thought it was a little weird that they would be playing like an old school 80 uh, 80 something atari game inside the oasis and then they couldn't figure out which game then when they did find the game it wasn't that you had to beat the game it was that you had to find the easter egg in the game is that i'm guessing it's a true story about the first ever easter egg built into a video game i'm assuming that's accurate to me that's one of those things where perfect example of me watching a guy play an atari in the oasis does not make me feel nostalgic i feel like there's a much better way they could have come up with something cool to make me feel more nostalgic about the atari but neither here nor there. I thought that was at least a kind of a cool touch because it tied in the Easter egg concept and they were doing that. So I was kind of okay with that one. That one had the most relevance to me. It wasn't him having this weird aha moment about the guy's life that he picked out of the archive. It was at least his knowledge of the 80s pop culture and the fact that it's an Easter egg and what you need to do to get to that Easter egg. That that was really okay for me. I liked that one. Yeah. Skipping back to the second one. Dancing with zombies, that one was really, really bad for me. Well, so they're trying to tie into their first date, I guess. She wanted to go right. dancing, and he wanted to go see a movie, and they saw The Shining. And so the the second challenge was all based around The Shining, which they nailed. I, yeah, I now that was the one time in this movie that I thought the effects were incredible. I would love to know how they did that. I was watching really closely because it looked like they took the footage from The Shining and put people in it. Almost, yeah. It was really, if if that was a CGI recreation of The Shining, the Overlook Hotel, that was amazing. I was like, or if they actually went there and set up the room. Yeah, I don't know. I I would love to see a behind the scenes on how they did that because I was really blown away at how well that looked. And when they go up to the hotel room where the... Um, lady's taking a bath and she gets out and turns into the old lady. And that was that was the best part of the whole movie. That was really really well done. And being that I love The Shining and Kubrick movies, that was really cool too to see. I'm sure that had to be. I think I've read that's not in the book. I'm pretty sure. So that had to be Spielberg kind of tipping his hat to Kubrick in a way. Yeah, it it wasn't in the book. Uh, I I read that also. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you read the book. No, I didn't. Did not read the book. Okay, if the book's any good, they'll make a movie about it. That, that's my. That's, <laughs> that's my your philosophy. philosophy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and they did. Yeah, they, they had this. I guess it was a really generic scene of of picking the movie, and then they they took it from Last Action Hero of jumping into the movie. That's, yeah, that's where their motivation was. And so if that if Last Action Hero did anything, it was, it, <laughs> it, it was to inspire this scene in Ready Player, which they did really well. So, yeah. so kudos to Arnold in Last Action Hero of jumping into to the screen there 
well, the kid did, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that, that scene was done really well. I really liked the Shining piece of this, yeah. this movie. And I thought they, they tied in, it didn't need to be zombies. Could it have been it was just people hot. at the party dancing? Yeah. Sure. It was really hokey. Uh, when there was there were zombies floating in the air that they have to leap from one zombie to another, they're glowing green. It it just it turned really hokey. So I would have been okay if they had, you know, in The Shining, they show that picture. Well, and they had the picture. They had the picture, yeah. Where instead of Jack Torrance slash Jack Nicholson in The Shining photo, it was the creator of the Oasis. Have them go to like a ballroom where people are dancing and keep that creepy factor going on. Because there is some of that in The Shining where you see these people that are no longer alive in there. But to go to green floating zombies where you jump on them like a Mario platform, it just, it was... Left a sour note or sour taste in my mouth after what I thought was the best part of the movie with The Shining. I was okay with it. I didn't, it didn't take away at all. I think it would have been better had they been just in a ballroom at at New Year's or whatever, but it didn't take away anything for Uh, me. It did for me. I, cause it was just sort of like you're cruising along going really fast in this, because the, the Shining stuff isn't just the visuals, right? There's this whole aspect where that, you know, one guy's getting attacked by the lady who is in the bathroom that I was describing mm-hmm. earlier. And it's kind of intense. They, they do the whole elevator doors opening with the blood rushing out. The, it, maze, the chase, maze, the chase. The so the they're, they're harping on these really intense pieces from the shining. And then it's like, you just hit the brakes and come to a screeching halt with floating green zombies that you have to jump from that. That to me was like, if it had been anything else, maybe I wouldn't have cared too much, but when it was such a cool part of the movie to then jump to that really, corny piece of it it was just like oh man i'm kind of done now (laughs) (laughs) it's a little dramatic no i mean it's (laughs) i already wasn't really thinking all that much of the movie as it was happening and then the shining piece happened which i thought was the peak and then to go from the peak to what was arguably the valley for me that's a pretty big drop yeah i actually genuinely i think i dislike the green floating zombie part more than anything else in the movie so that that's why it was a little bit rough for me. So I landed at a three on this. I didn't think it was overly fun. I could tell it was trying to be fun, but I wasn't really having a lot of fun. And for a story about being immersed in a world that's different than yours, it, the movie didn't make me feel that way. I didn't feel immersed in the movie. And, and maybe I'm just getting old, but I, this sort of movie just doesn't resonate with me anymore. I don't know. I... I didn't dislike it. It's a fine movie. Maybe I'll appreciate it more as time goes by. I I really wish it had made me feel more nostalgic. I found myself after the movie, not really thinking about how much I enjoyed the movie, but how much I thought it was like a commentary on society about how everything gets gamified nowadays. You know, you try to save money on a banking app and they want to gamify it to give you tokens and rewards that you feel that feels like a natural commentary on today's society. So I guess I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old that I walk away from a movie like Ready Player One and that's what I start thinking about as opposed to, yeah, that was cool or something. So I didn't really find it overly cool. I didn't feel overly nostalgic, but it was a fine movie. See, I, I had a lot of fun watching it. I enjoyed enjoyed the movie throughout. Probably 15 times I, I grabbed my wife's leg and, and shook it saying basically the, you know, did you see that or, or do you know what they're referencing, you know, you know type of thing. And yeah. Of course, it, it goes by so fast to where can't really mention it but it's just more up oh, did you see that kind of kind of hitter type of thing that had to be really annoying because there were so many scenes Probably. where that was happening and you had to have been doing that like every 
two minutes. Yeah, I, I probably was, and uh, probably ruined her experience. But I, I had a lot of fun <laughs> doing it. But no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it a four, so uh, it, it was really high on on my list. Uh, rewatchability, I think, is going to be pretty high. It's something that again, you'll, you'll see something else every time you watch this. Again, I don't think you can see it enough. And, and catch everything like i mentioned before no there's no way you could catch it i mean there, there's literally scenes i compared it to the star wars prequels a little bit the giant battles that would happen in there it'd be like take out half of the jedi in <laughs> attack of the clones the big arena battle and insert whatever pop culture characters you want that are up in the stands or out fighting you know it's that would have been a lot better movie it would have been a lot better movie wouldn't have been any more <laughs> nostalgic but I think that, yeah, you could probably watch this over and over, and I'm sure people will as soon as they get the DVDs or the digital copies they'll be going through and freeze-framing every last thing. I I bet there's at least 500 references sprinkled throughout the movie. Oh, for sure. But again, if you gave me a Where's Waldo book of 1980s pop culture and told me to go circle DeLoreans and Mad Balls and stuff like that, that's not nostalgic for me. I enjoy Where's Waldo. Yeah, Where's Waldo's fun, but it's not nostalgic. Well, wait. Well, Whereas it Waldo is. itself might be nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> completing one about 1980s pop culture is not necessarily nostalgic. I think I think this is a good microcosm of a movie for the split between you and I. I just don't like these kinds of movies anymore. I can I, I'll give it a three because I don't think it was a bad movie. I, I I want more feeling out of something. I want more emotion out of something. I'm not really drawn in anymore by CGI glitz and stuff like that but you have the ability to turn off that switch and just enjoy a popcorn movie for what it is i have a hard time doing that anymore because you're a curmudgeon curmudgeon uh, yeah i just want to feel (laughs) (laughs) well see i I think it did have that i think it did have heart the whole purpose was because he didn't have this girl that he regret and i uh, I get that it should have heart and that the story being told is one that could have heart the movie doesn't make you feel that way didn't make you feel that way. No, it didn't make me feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> I so liked it. four for you, three for me. Yeah, it's worth seeing. Everybody should see that movie. I, I get it. It's a, it's a, you know, it should have been a summer movie. Why it was in April, I'm not quite sure, but it feels like a summer, June, July popcorn movie. I agree. Yeah. So as for Spielberg, for me, I'm not sure he's quite back on the, the mend yet. I still feel like he's well, kind of struggling I, I, a little I'm bit. I'm sure he's going to get there with Indiana Jones Part 5. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it can only go up from 4. Right. That's true, actually. <laughs> it, it, you could not do worse than 4. Right. But I, 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 all things considered, I think Ready Player One's a half step, maybe in the right direction from where he's been lately with his movie. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Spielberg's back. I don't want to see Ready Player 2 if that exists, though. I would see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'd see that. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for episode 15. As usual, reach out to us on social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can catch us at twoviewsmovies.com. Email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com if you want to tell us how much you love the show or how much you hate the show. We'll, we'll take anything. But if you are listening and you like it, do us a huge favor and subscribe, whether it's through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever you do to listen to podcasts, hop on over there, subscribe to it, and rate us on those stores if you like it, and leave us a review there. We would greatly appreciate it. We'll catch you next time.